The reading is Mark chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Churazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it is more sorry, but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will be lifted to the heavens. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Graham. Thank you for his faithfulness to your word. And we just pray, Lord, by your spirit, that you would speak through him this morning, that we'd have open hearts um, to receive what he has to say. And Holy Spirit, you'd be moving amongst us as he shares your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here again. Uh, I've been away for a while, of course, and we've all been locked up for a while. Uh, I followed your services every Sunday on lockdown, and I feel I got to know you better. So it's, but now I can be with you face to face, or with some of you, uh, others on Zoom, is it, or YouTube? Zoom. Shall we have our heading? That's right. Good. 
the year and a half of lockdown has been difficult for churches, and many churches are finding it quite hard to rebuild <coughs> their sense of belonging together. And you've been addressing this in your sermons. Uh, last week, it was bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the week before, how do we grow up together into the body of Christ, being like Christ Jesus? How do we support one another? And uh, that means supporting the many for whom lockdown has been very, a very anxious time. Uh, it's brought the loss of loved ones. It's brought loss of income. It's brought loss of face-to-face -face contact. How do we support each other and build each other up? But the title I was given today, The Holistic Mission of Jesus, that seems a little out of place. I mean, are we ready for any mission? Don't we need to focus on supporting ourselves? Well, I'm going to stick with the title I've been given and the passage that's just been read, but I will pick out some features of the mission which I think can help us at this time. Jesus sent out 70 people on the mission, not just the 12, but another 70. So clearly Jesus had quite a following with him and he has put them to work. However bruised we may feel by the lockdown, Jesus still has a task for us in his mission of love. <clears throat> it's not just for the exalted ones like the Twelve. His mission is for all of us. You have your motto, to live out and give out the good news of Jesus Christ. And the pandemic has not stopped Jesus' mission of love to his world. So what is the mission on which Jesus sends us? It's a mission with mutual support. He appointed 70 and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. So we don't do this on our own. They went in pairs. Jesus sends us together with mutual support. So I encourage you here at St. Margaret's to put in place a pattern where you share with one another the opportunities you have in your work uh, or in your families or wherever you feel led to go because it is vital that we don't go on our own. We go with mutual support, someone we can talk with about it, someone we can pray with and someone who can encourage us when it's hard. It doesn't, of course, have to be pairs. It could be threes. It could be more. But to do Jesus' mission of love, we must do it together. And personally, <clears throat> after many years' experience in churches, I think we could do much more to give each other active support and encouragement in our workplaces and in our families. <clears throat> so my first point is, it's a mission with mutual support. Second point, it's a mission where Jesus is working. He sent them on ahead of him to every town and place where he himself intended to go. It's his mission, 
but he sends them ahead of him. They weren't in his shadow, just tagging along behind him, <clears throat> like ministers tagging along behind the prime minister or whatever. They went in their own right. They went first. He sent them, but they went in his name. Jesus was still with them, but he couldn't on earth be physically in the same place as all of them. But following the resurrection, we now know that he is with us all the time. His spirit's always ahead of us, working in the place to which he sends us. He said, I am with you always to the end of time or the end of the age. So just pause for a moment. Think about where Jesus has sent you, workplace, family, club, whatever it might be. Picture Jesus there. Picture him there. Thank him for being there, ahead of you and with you. Tell him what wisdom you need. Ask for his courage and his help. And make that a regular feature of your prayers. We don't go alone. We go in our own right, but we go in his name and we go with support. Jesus is there before us and with us and our brothers and sisters in Christ support us. Thirdly, it's a mission with too few workers. Jesus needs more. The harvest is great, but there are too few workers to bring it in. Therefore, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers to bring it in. The problem, Jesus says, is not that people aren't interested. It is that there are simply not enough workers. I wonder, is that a word for you here at St. Margaret's? Ask God for more workers. There is a harvest. I know that you have great opportunities in your local schools. You just need more workers. Ask God for them. And wait and watch till he answers. Agree together Sunday by Sunday to ask him for more workers. That's what he says. Fourthly, Jesus says something which is both frightening but hugely encouraging. I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. They won't have wanted to hear that. It's a mission of great vulnerability. But what a contradiction. Why on earth should we go with a mission of peace among wolves? It hardly makes sense. Well, the answer is because that's the only place to go to. There are wolves everywhere. Satan sees to that. And there will always be resistance to God's rule in the world amongst human beings, and there will always be wolves waiting to gobble us up. Now, as we've said, we feel quite vulnerable and less safe at this time. We feel we need to look after ourselves. But so it was with Jesus' followers. They felt very vulnerable in a hostile culture which was both Roman and Jewish. 
Amongst the Gentiles, the Romans, they were often accused of offending the Roman gods because they wouldn't worship them. And in the Jewish communities, they were mocked for worshipping a crucified God. And even at the time this gospel was written, by the way, it's St. Luke, not St. Mark, um, every time, by the time this gospel was written, they were still a small minority and very vulnerable. So, we're with them. But Jesus said, yes, there are wolves, but you go and I'll be there with you. And frankly, this is the pattern for being a follower of Jesus. We live in a hostile society, and it's getting more hostile. At times, things change. At times, the Spirit of God brings revival. But most of the time, and all over the world, there is opposition to Jesus. And that's because his government, his kingdom on earth, challenges all earthly governments. And earthly governments don't like that. Don't carry money, rations, or sandals. Those are the things that normal people would carry. But Jesus says, don't carry them and don't get sidetracked on the road. This is a serious business. No money, no shoes. So what do we carry? We carry extraordinary treasure. It's a mission of peace. Yes, we go very vulnerable, but we carry, and that word's important, we carry peace. Because peace is not just words. God's peace is a spiritual reality which we carry. It's a touch of heaven which affects people every time we announce it. Extraordinary treasure we carry with which to bless everyone we meet. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. I try to remember when I go into someone's house to say peace to this house from Jesus or in the name of Jesus because this is a basic instruction to us to declare God's peace wherever we go. We carry it, as it were, on our shoes. St. Paul, in his famous passage, put on God's armor now so that you may be able to resist the enemy's attacks and as your shoes put on the readiness to announce the good news of peace. Ephesians chapter 6, instructions from St. Paul. So we declare the peace of Christ every day at work Every day at school, wherever you go, you carry heaven's peace. <clears throat> Do it. It's wonderful. Let me ask you, when did you last declare God's peace when you went into someone's house? I won't ask you to put your hand up. We might not get any. And you see, it's not just words, because when we declare God's peace, it has a power which people either receive or they reject. And here we find a little light among the wolves. It says this. If a son of peace is there, 
or we could say a child of peace. The Greek says son. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. So something happens when we declare the peace. That's why it's so important. That's why it's not just words. It's real. To declare God's peace blesses people then and there, it rests on them. But if the wolves reject the peace Jesus is offering, then the peace comes back to you. So let me ask you, when did you last think of the peace you declare landing on someone to bless them? You know, this sermon has been a reminder to me just to realize how powerful the peace of God is as we declare it. When did you last think that as you declared the peace, it landed on someone? You see, there's so much for us to take hold of from this passage. And by the way, peace in the Old Testament, the word shalom, means everything comes right. Total harmony. It's a a wonderful word. It's so much bigger than peace. And that's what we carry. We carry the declaration of God's complete harmony. Peace with him, peace with yourself, peace in your family, peace in your street, peace in your town, your workplace. It is a wonderfully comprehensive word. And when we say the peace to one another in a service... We are wishing each other that complete harmony of God. I declare for you peace in your home, peace in yourself, peace in your with God. I declare for you every kind of peace. That's what we do Sunday by Sunday. Now the way this harmony works out, there we are, there's all the stuff about peace. The way this works out is that it's a mission of giving and receiving. We don't go as those who have everything from God to give to those who don't have it. When people can give you something, it makes them feel more confident and more at ease with you. And without this, our message can seem like we're the superior ones giving people something they need. But it's far better if they can give you something that you need. So giving and receiving Jesus, you remember, Jesus, you remember, borrowed Peter's boat to teach from and sat in the boat teaching people in the lovely amphitheater of the geography where he taught. And after teaching... Peter said, Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And they had a miraculous catch of fishes. And it led to Peter being recruited for Jesus. So when people can give you something, it helps them to feel better. And all kinds of good things can follow from that. God's peace in the world, his harmony, is based on giving and receiving. On human relationships of mutual love. I wish we had more of that in our international support for countries. 
much more giving and receiving because that will help the ones to whom we want to give help to feel much better. So as we go into a home or community, we carry the good news that Jesus is the world's king. Eating and drinking whatever they provide. And when people of a town welcome you, eat what is set before you. It's said twice here in this passage. It's so important. We receive what people give us. We're not fussy. We don't do our own thing. We receive. But we declare that Jesus is king. We declare his kingdom is here with us. And a wonderful sign of that kingdom is we cure the sick who are there and say to them the kingdom of God is near. Now healing prayer for those who need it is the demonstration that the kingdom of God is really here. The kingdom of God is his beautiful rule, his harmony, everything coming right. It's his government. That's what a kingdom is, government. The government of God when everything comes right. So it's a mission of healing and the kingdom of God. But my friends, you and I can't be agents of this kingdom unless we want God's government in our own lives. It's sheer hypocrisy to go for the kingdom if we don't want it actually taking hold of us. We must want God's beautiful order in our lives. It's nothing to be afraid of. He's good. We were singing that earlier. He's a perfect father. His will in our lives couldn't be better. Don't rebel. Love his will. It's good. Cure the sick. By the way, healing works in lockdown. It works over Zoom. It works when we can't touch each other because it works by the Spirit of God. Now I put to you that the church as a whole has completely lost its nerve over its God-given authority to heal. Of course, not all are healed because our faith is weak. But the way to grow our faith is not to shy away in case it doesn't work. The way to grow our faith is to put it to work and see what God does. I've been learning this for 53 years, and I'm still learning. We live in a society that has lost its faith in God and his power. So Mark tells us that even in his hometown, Jesus couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. He was the local boy. They knew him. They watched him grow up. They knew his brothers and sisters, and they didn't believe Jesus was anointed by God. So it says in Mark 6, he couldn't do many mighty works in Nazareth, except it says he healed a few sick people. Well, that would be good enough for me. <laughs> but so encouraging that verse, that even Jesus had his effectiveness dampened by the poor faith of the, of the community. And we're in that situation, my friends. The only thing we can do is to build the faith up by 
putting it to work and gradually seeing more and more lovely things that God does. So don't hold back. Jesus tells his followers that he's given them his authority to bring healing and that like Jesus, they will do works of power. I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. All sickness is from the enemy. God wants to heal, but sadly the church has not learned to take the authority that Jesus gives. So will you try saying to illness, maybe in your family, maybe your neighbour, maybe at work, will you try saying, illness, stop in Jesus' name. Jesus has given you and me authority. Illness, stop in Jesus' name. You won't see healing unless you try. St. Paul says that we all sit with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realm with him and under our feet are all the powers of darkness, the powers of the enemy. And because they are under our feet, we can bind them and defeat them. Picture yourself, day by day, sitting with Jesus in his throne room in heaven, spiritually, with the powers of sickness under your feet. We have to learn this. We have to do it by faith. Jesus says, tiny faith moves mountains. You've all got tiny faith, at least. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Tiny faith moves mountains, and sickness is a mountain. There are lots and lots of stories of Christian healing today, and I've seen healings myself. But in a country like Kenya, where some of my friends have been several times, the culture is so open to God that many healings occur, and they've seen them, the full range of Jesus' healings in Kenya. But if we keep at it, I mean, the culture is much more sympathetic in Kenya. <clears throat> but if we keep at it <clears throat> and don't give up, faith will grow. God can heal at a distance and he can heal, heal over Zoom. So as they went to the towns and villages and they healed the sick, what will they have said? Jesus has sent us, they might say. He's our long-promised Messiah. He's the king God has sent to govern the whole world and make it better. He's our only hope. He is God's answer to a troubled world. And the world in the first century was at least as troubled as our world is today. So, share your mission. And remember, Jesus is always ahead of you and with you. He's with you amongst the wolves, Yes, we're vulnerable. Ask the Father for more workers in the harvest. Declare peace everywhere you go. It's real and powerful. Let others give to you and use your authority to heal people. It's a sign that Jesus is Lord of a kingdom that will change the world. So my friends, just to pause. <clears throat> Into what situation? Into what situation in your life 
Do you want to carry God's peace? I nearly bought pieces of paper for you to write your answer on, but just, just think about it now. <clears throat> in what situation in your life do you want to carry God's peace? Finally, it's a mission of joy. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. So clearly, Jesus' disciples and the 70 were seeing people healed. <clears throat> we'll leave talk about demons and evil spirits to another day. <clears throat> but Jesus says, don't rejoice at this. Don't rejoice. I mean, he doesn't say feel gloomy about people being healed. What he's saying is there's something more significant to rejoice at than even seeing people healed. And it is that you belong in heaven. Your names, when you join Jesus, are written there, written in the book of life. And the thing to rejoice about is that you are one with Jesus in this wonderful, wonderful kingdom that will one day take over the world. That's what to rejoice over. The greatest joy of all, which can never be taken away from you, is that you belong to Jesus and share in his kingdom, which will one day take over the earth. Let's pray. We thank you, Father God, that even in these difficult times, the love of Jesus and his mission is still very real. <clears throat> Help us to share in it obediently. Help us to carry your peace wherever we go and see it land on people and bless them. Help us to support one another, 